The opinions and suggestions expressed in the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily endorsed by KRMG, Cox Media Group Incorporated, or the program sponsors. This following program is sponsored by Causeway LLC. Information in this broadcast is not intended as an investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa are not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Gather knowledge in the world of cryptocurrency right now on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Matthew is locally based right here in Tulsa. Questions, comments, concerns? Call 918-460-5764 or send us an open mic using the KRMG app. Now, here's Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Yep, you found it. One of the only radio programs dedicated 100% to all things crypto. And I'm talking worldwide. And we are originating live and local out of little old Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks for joining us for Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. My name is Russell Mills. And I will tell you right now, big controversy going. Proof of stake or proof of work? Mm, what does that mean? Well, if you don't know, you found the right place because we're going to talk about some of that right now and what, it, what ramifications that might hold for the future. And if you do know what I'm talking about, fear not, because we're going to expand your realm of knowledge, guarantee you, before this hour is out. Thanks to this guy, our host, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. That would be me. And we are here every Sunday doing my favorite show. And hopefully this is your favorite show as well. And yes, fall is just around the corner and fall, you know, the leaves aren't going to be the only thing falling. I think the markets are falling a little bit right now, too. But guess what? Tick, tock, tick, tock, another block. That, my friends, is the sound of Bitcoin's blockchain confirming another block of transactions. And it's been that way for every 10 minutes for the last 13 years. So, yes, global markets might be struggling, I know. But the honey badger of money just don't care. Uh, the honey badger is going to keep on keeping on. And the person encouraging me the most in this honey badger obsession is none other than my instigator and good friend and fill in co-host Evan Herman. Evan, welcome to the show. This is your first time, buddy. It is. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Well, today, you know, we got a special guest as well, Charlie, to help us unpack some recent Bitcoin news. And the recent Ethereum merger is a regular contributor Bitcoin miner and founder of Nakamoto Partners, Charlie Spears. Charlie, welcome back to the radio show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. Uh, glad to be back, guys. I'm doing all right. And, uh, you know, for once, it's not just Bitcoin and the broader crypto market going down. It's everything. So <laughs> know, we're all, right? in, we're all in this together this time, baby. Yeah, I know. We're all patching those wounds. But the truth is, guys, a lot of the weak hands and hobbyists have kind of been flushed out. And this process and cyclical nature of the crypto space has largely been predictable. And, yes, there's some minor differences, but, you know, these minor differences come and go. It's, you know, it's like history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And, uh, however, us who are here in studio, we're still here. We're still in the market. And to quote our good friend uh, Mark Yusko, who was on the show, you need the three C's to survive bear markets. That's conviction, courage, and cash. That way you can buy those dips as we uh, continue to go further lower. Uh, and you, my friends, who are here, we are walking out those three C's. So uh, are, are you walking out the three C's? I, I think you are. 
uh, I don't know how much courage I personally have. I just know that I don't want to pull the money that I put into it because I would crazy lose a lot. And so for me, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to be stubborn and look 5, 10, 15 years down the road versus try to pull that up right now. It's and I don't own. know how much cash I've got. I've got courage and commission, but every last dollar I've got is going to Bitcoin or more oh, Bitcoin mining. So, yeah. I well, know. I think Evan makes a great point, though, which is if you invested and, and you've seen it come down a little bit right now, if you go and sell it, you have locked in your losses. Right. That seems counterintuitive to me. And I'm, I'm with you, brother. I'm just going to hold on for right. dear life. Right. I'm going to hodl that hodl. stuff. You yeah, betcha. I love it. Well, and you know, yes, you know, Bitcoin's price in dollar terms has sunk uh, significantly and no doubt it's it's been really painful for most people and and I, if I were to be a guessing man, there might be a probability that we might hit 12,000. I said that in previous episodes. Um, but, you know, like we mentioned earlier, every asset class has literally been punched in the face due to the central bank trying to take away the booze from the easy money party. So that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah, just don't tell my wife that we're about to hit 12% if that's the case. No, no, not 12%, $12,000. <laughs> well, that's what I meant, $12,000. <laughs> don't, don't tell her that because then she'll get mad at me. But, Matt, you're 100% correct. You know, unlike the weak hand investors, we understand that the fundamental part of this space are still intact and growing. Those who can stick around for the bear market, such as ourselves, always, I would say, reap the reward yep. at the end of it. And yes, I think Bitcoin and the price and the dollars does fluctuate, but one Bitcoin still equals one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, I can't say the same for a dollar. Yeah, you're preaching the Bitcoin gospel right there. And uh, when you zoom out and look at Bitcoin's price history from 13 years ago till now, it's still up over 13,000%. That's amazing. So hopefully you've been in this space longer than just a year. Um, but no. when, when, yeah, I know you haven't, but we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Uh, but when you zoom out and look at the dollar from 1913 till now, it's lost 99% of its purchasing power. But wait a minute, Matt. Wait a minute. Back it up. Why is there all this talk about the dollar getting stronger and stronger? I thought you said 40% of all dollars in existence were created over the last two years and that inflation was going to be an issue. Well, yes, I did say those things. And yes, those things are still true. Inflation is still sky high and your dollar continues to buy less and less. And it will continue to be that way, in my opinion. You know, Matt, I don't know how much better you could have said that. What we're witnessing in, I guess, such a short period of time, but yet where people still have faith in the central bank to get this under control. I think they do. I think a lot of people still have faith in the central bank that they're going to get it under control. uh, And they're trying to reduce their balance sheet, raise interest rates, and kill demand all in the effort to help stop inflation. But as many people still believe this, that they're going to try to fix things and bring us back, all the way back to that 2% inflation target that we've always heard about, ultimately, people are going to be jumping in, and they are jumping into dollars for the short term, for the short term, as they expect this recession. Because, you know, they want cash on the sidelines so they can buy assets on the cheap. Um, And however, this process of trying to save face will still fail or be futile in the end, in my opinion. But guess what? I am biased, okay? I'm biased. And in... This theory, uh, the Federal Reserve will take these actions, okay, and they're going to cause more recession turmoil, and it will continue to cause the dollar to strengthen against other countries' currencies. But keep in mind, that doesn't change anything fundamentally long-term, nor does it do anything to restore the dollar as a good place to store your value over a long period of time. 
So what you're saying is that we have to keep in mind that all the government currencies of all around the world are losing value. Some are just, I guess, doing it faster. Yep, that's exactly right. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like a race to the bottom. All these worthless paper currencies are falling apart. They're falling down. Some are just doing it faster than others. The dollar is basically uh, the leopard that still has the most fingers. So uh, we're, you know, that's one way of putting it. But we might be witnessing, here's, here's my theory, or not my theory, but a theory that I came across. Uh, we might be witnessing something called the dollar milkshake theory. And uh, Evan and Charlie, have you guys heard of that theory before? I have. I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Okay, okay. I have not, but it reminds me of a song. (laughs) (laughs) We probably could make a song about it. Uh, Okay, well, the dollar milkshake theory goes like this. It's going to cause a strengthening dollar, but for all the wrong reasons. Uh, It will ultimately cause turmoil globally if this is what we are seeing. So I'm speculating here, but it's kind of like, you know, this giant finale or hoorah before a glorious death. To put it simply, the dollar milkshake theory goes like this. All fiat currencies are doomed because they're not actually valuable. Two, the dollar is slightly better because it's the favorite child or the cleanest shirt in the dirty laundry bin. And three, the dollar is currently needed for almost every global transaction due to its reserve currency status. And when the Federal Reserve goes on this crusade to maintain confidence here in America, they essentially stop making more dollars or slow it greatly. So this process will slow the economy, kill just about every other asset, which we're seeing, and will drive global demand for existing dollars dramatically. And we are seeing that as well. Other countries and world leaders may not like the dollar due to its recent weaponization, but they currently need it to interact with the global economy. Okay, so let me get what you're implying here, is that even though there is a significant portion of global debt in dollars, it's needed for international trade. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's definitely going to be harder and for these for these foreign nations to service their dollar-denominated debt. Um, and it's going to essentially cause their currencies to collapse into the U.S. dollar. So, yes, many nations may eventually seek an alternative to the dollar system due to the structural issues or the current do- of the current dollar system. So I, I believe, you know, when we're looking at Brazil, Russia, India, India China, and Russia, they're, they're ta- taking a look at this and they're going, hey, we need an alternative. But we got to go to break. So when we come back, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, and and I was uh, doing the Money Talk show this morning earlier today with uh, Dan Witham. We were talking about the international markets, and it ain't just the United States that's suffering. It ain't just the Fed that's raising interest rates and trying to figure out how to cool down this inflation, cool down the economy. It is a global problem. Maybe we need a global currency. Hmm. Chew on that while we take a quick time out. You're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Before we went to break, we were talking about the dollar milkshake theory. No, that does not mean there is a big sale going on at Sonic. Maybe we can get uh, we can get our host to kind of recap that a little bit, and we'll get back into the thread of the conversation. It's actually quite interesting. Please welcome our host, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, buddy. That's right. I may not have all the answers, but I do like to bring some interesting theories to the table. I'm just one guy, but I do try to bring in a table of experts and panelists to cover some great topics when it comes to cryptocurrencies and monetary policy. Uh, But with me today is my bodacious and fill-in co-host, Evan Herman. 
Hey, Matt, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it very much so. Yeah. And don't forget, if you've missed an episode of this radio show, you can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and none other than your truly's KRMG.com. If you miss an episode, we got you covered. That's right. We're all over the place. We try to be all over the place. We want to get as many ears on this content as possible because we do think this is a, uh, I don't know, some people call it revolution. Some people call it a, uh, uh, I don't know. A new invention. Maybe right? evolution. Evolution. Yeah, that's a good term. Yeah. Yeah. Since my name's in it, I like that word. Right? Evolution. Evolution. <laughs> well, guess what? You know, if you're wondering how we actually get to do this show on a regular basis, how we uh, get to stay on the air, well, that's because we have some epic sponsors, or should I say epic sponsor. Uh, we uh, they, they help us keep us uh, on the air and doing this and spreading mass adoption because it's all about education. So, uh, Evan, can you give our wonderful sponsor a shout-out for this segment? Let's tell everybody how they can earn, guess what, another free round of Bitcoin. Yeah, this segment is made possible by the company called Get Hedge. Do you have a strategy to obtain cryptocurrency on a regular basis? Well, I know I didn't, but until recently, <laughs> I knew that we could now have an automated plan for dollar cost averaging. What about get all your or a part of your paycheck in Bitcoin? Not just NFL players can do this, but you can as well. <laughs> Hedge right. it and revolutionaries how to get paid. Hedge makes it easy to automatically convert your pay into cryptocurrency. Whether you're an employer or employee, you can get started in four easy steps. Start getting paid in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin. Crypto as long as you are willing to play the strategy. Hedge is here to make it easy to stack those stats month after month. What are you waiting for? Start living on the hedge. Check them out. GetHedge.io. Again, that is GetHedge.io. That's right, Evan. And here is how you can qualify for the next round of Bitcoin. Uh, this $200 that we're going to be giving away uh, could be worth thousands in the future. Uh, but if you go to my website, MattJMoore.com, and scroll down to the resource section, you'll see a button that says Get Hedge. Yeah, you can go ahead, click that, and uh, sign up for Hedge and start having a portion of your paycheck allocated into Bitcoin. And it can be as little or as much as you want. It's totally up to you, okay? Uh, you must be actively, though, here's the catch, you must be actively using Hedge to qualify for the $200 of Bitcoin. And keep in mind that when using Hedge, you skip the exchange process altogether, and you can have crypto sent to your own self-custody wallet that you control. So to And guess what? To sweeten the deal, uh, Hedge, through the entire month of September, which is almost over, Anybody who signs up this month and chooses to auto-convert a minimum of $40 will receive an additional $10 in Bitcoin. So go to my website, mattjmore.com, and you can scroll down to the resource section. You can check it out, click that button. And if you got questions, hey, you can always, always send me a message. So, woo, you know, that we love Hedge, and I and I am just so appreciative. But we need to keep this conversational train going, and I am actually going to recap our last seg uh, segment, because we didn't actually get to fully cover it all. We were talking about this concept called the dollar milkshake theory. Well, Matt, is that a dessert? Nope, it's not. But it is this concept where you have this global monetary system, and you have all these different currencies that make up this milkshake, but the dollar is the key ingredient in this milkshake. And as the dollar 
continues to strengthen because we are trying to fight inflation here in our country. Hey, many other countries are trying to fight inflation as well. There's, there's inflation problem all over the world, right? We've got a lot of uh, nation states that their monetary systems are collapsing. We, we've been seeing it recently due to 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 the the pressures and of inflation and everything like that. But as the dollar continues to strengthen, they raise interest rates, and it becomes more appealing uh, to run to the dollar. The thing you got to keep in mind is that these other nation states have to have dollars in order to transact globally, whether it be energy uh, or, or other uh, commodities, um, dollars are required. So whether world leaders like it or not, they kind of need dollars if they're going to operate in this global economy. But as the dollar strengthens against their own currency, it's going to be harder for them to service their own debt, and they're going to print more of their own currencies uh, just so they can get more dollars. And so what happens eventually is you have this collapsing effect where the their own currencies kind of collapse into the dollar, and it becomes way harder to use the dollar in a global monetary system when it's strengthening too fast. So everybody's like, oh, yeah, the, the dollar's on this bull market run. Well, it's it's great to, to the Americans, right? But we also discussed that even though we're experiencing inflation here and, and the dollar's buying less and less, in a relative terms, compared to other currencies around the world, they the the dollar is strengthening. So we talked about this whole concept of all these currencies falling at the same time, just some are falling faster than others. So uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting concept. And the reason why I think it's it's interesting is because what we're witnessing today is we're currently seeing the pursuit of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, the BRIC nations, are trying to find an alternative to the dollar because, you know, whether it's the strengthening of the dollar compared to their other currencies or whether it's just the weaponization due to sanctions, uh, there is kind of this overall uh, new move to kind of try to move away from the dollar uh, despite what's going on. Uh, and if, if, these, if the world does make an effort to move away from the dollar due to it being too inconvenient to use due to, you know, it's strengthening or uh, or other means, uh, whether, you know, due to sanctions, we, we could see some issues. We could see hyperinflation because all those all those ducks or all those uh, pigeons will come home to roost. Right. I don't think ducks roost, do they? <laughs> but uh, it's an interesting theory. And uh, considering that we are seeing a weakening of the global economy and a strengthening dollar uh, and collapsing foreign currencies and inflation at the same time, it might have some weight to it. The, the dollar milkshake theory might have some weight. And uh, what we also have to, to watch out for is that as the Federal Reserve continues to uh, raise interest rates to make the dollar stronger to fight inflation, they're targeting like this 4%, 4.6% uh, uh, interest rate in 2023 to, to fight inflation. But with the federal debt at 100% of GDP, the highest in history of any country, I might add, uh, it's been said that it will become impossible to service our debt, our own country's debt, if we get close to that 5% interest rate. So whew, lots going on. I'm trying to follow it all. I, you know, I know there's a lot of people doing a better job than I am. But uh, we're we getting ready to go to break here. But before we do, Charlie, Evan, is this just like over your head? Is this too much? Or is this kind of making sense? No, I think it totally makes sense. I mean, sometimes I want to bury my head in the sand. But at the end of the day, to be personally responsible for my family and our finances, I think it's important to know what's going on financially in right. the global economy. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um it's funny because if we were to have this show broadcast in any other country but the United States, we would be looking at Bitcoin in close to all-time highs in our native currency. So I want to say that, yeah, Bitcoin's down in dollar terms, but in half of the BRICS nations, it's about halfway 
or close to its all-time high. In fact, wow. in several, it's making new highs. Wow. Such an interesting concept. All right, guys. Well, when we come back, we will get into the Ethereum merge. Don't go anywhere. And we'll be talking about that proof of stake versus proof of work. I'm going to I'm going to lean on Charlie to explain that to me because I'm not totally sure I've wrapped my head around that concept. And so I'm right there with you. If you're sitting there going, I don't know, I'm not totally clear on what all this means, I, I get you. That's why you need to come back every week because slowly it'll start to, to leak. It's starting to leak into my brain. It'll, it'll do yours. Quick time out for the news. You're listening to 1023 KRMG Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to the second half hour of Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. We are live and local. We are like we are just about every Sunday at 5 p.m. Tulsa time. You're listening to one of the only radio broadcasts in this nation dedicated solely and exclusively to cryptocurrencies. Uh, all the brainchild of this guy, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey, you know what? I Some people call me a man child, but uh, I guess this is my, uh, my my brainchild. Or is that what you said, Russell, I think? Brainchild. I said brainchild. Oh, I do have a baby phase, okay? Come on now. Give me a break. All right, guys. Well, let's, let's get this show back on the road. Yes, the last uh, half of the show, we were talking about the uh, dollar milkshake theory. And uh, you might be wondering, Matt, why are you talking about monetary stuff? Well, guess what? Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, it all fits into that picture. It's all affected, so it's definitely worth covering. But this part of the show, we're going to cover a, an important topic, a historical topic that happened recently, which was this Ethereum merge. But to help me introduce our guest today uh, is my fill-in co-host, Evan Herman. He's a good friend of mine. Evan, welcome back. How are you enjoying the show so far? Dude, I love being here. Good. 100%. Charlie also is joining us today. Welcome back, Charlie. You're a friend of the show. And um, is it true that this Ethereum merger is something that you've decided to stop mining because of the proof of stakes? Yeah, it doesn't matter whether we decide to or not. You can no longer mine Ethereum for the main dominant mainstream Ethereum chain anymore. It happened in the wee hours of September 15th, last Thursday. You had a watch party, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we had a watch party, you know, until 2 or 3 in the morning. And it, I mean, it is the biggest thing to happen in Bitcoin and crypto this year. Uh, it's probably one of the top five most important events to date in the entire history of crypto. Well, Charlie, for those who are unfamiliar, can you describe what happened to the second largest cryptocurrency? Because, you know, we were kind of hitting on it here, but we're talking about going from this concept of proof of work to proof of stake, which is this functionality of Ethereum, which is changed now. So share with our listeners what exactly we're talking about here. We could talk for an hour, but I'll try to keep it to the high points. So um, the way cryptocurrencies maintain decentralization, we've got to come to a consensus upon what happened in the previous period, each block. So how is each block produced? Well, there's, a various, there's various mechanisms for that. And in Bitcoin, proof of work, it says we're going to expend energy to run through computers, which do calculations, which are hard to fake. And we're going to use those to build each block every 10 minutes. So it's basically energy into compute into cryptographic proof. Right. Proof of stake is a different mechanism to produce these blocks and to, you might say, order or verify transactions. Right. And previously, Ethereum was also proof of work, energy compute to consensus. Now it is proof of stake, which kind of, uh, which says we're going to say we're going to make you put skin in the game 
and we're going to have social consensus to say you are going to be incentivized to not be a bad actor because if you are a bad actor, we're going to censor you from the network. And um, this is a very effective way at block production or consensus. Right. And Ethereum, basically like Indiana Jones and that idol, you know, staring at it, switched it in what's called the merge uh, in uh, from uh, block five million and something to f you know block five million and one basically, right. and it happened about three a.m. U.S. Central Time, and this is a big deal. It's like building the plane as you fly it, right? And um, you know that is a huge technical success. People like me, however, question why you should ever try yeah. to have to build a plane as you fly. Well, it. Vitalik, right? He basically his motto is move fast and break things. <laughs> that was Facebook's. Oh, uh, that was Facebook's. And okay, they took I'm off sorry. the break things, but I think the Ethereum Foundation oh. <laughs> took that break things <laughs> okay. because a lot of stuff breaks. Yeah. This is a big deal. There's you know hundreds of billions of dollars in assets se uh, secured by the Ethereum blockchain, both in Ethereum itself and then derivatives or abstractions on top right. of that. These are contracts. This is code. This stuff breaks. We saw it break. I'm surprised right. more of it didn't break. Hats off to the technical people behind this because this was right. a huge success on a technical level. Well, you definitely had a lot of Bitcoin maxis who were hoping for things to break. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't wish I don't wish <laughs> I economic know, I pain don't. and stuff, but like, look, I'm a Bitcoiner and I'm very right. critical of it, but I do want to give it, you know, this is a very big deal and this is a I think a very positively received event in the space. Well, let me ask, you, I mean, is this a mistake for the proof of stake or is it something needed going forward? Does it change the way ethereum is viewed you will have two people get the same information have just very different responses um this has been part of the roadmap in their plan since the beginning um this uh proof of stake is uh, shown to be for the past several years a pretty robust consensus mechanism um should it be money that's the big question i don't believe it should um proof of stake uh, is very good at scaling uh, consensus for a blockchain rapidly and changing things. Um, I don't believe it's trustless. So you, there, are, there are certain points along the consensus process where you cannot do it in a vacuum. You have to trust a third party. Right Now, um, it's very good if you want to build, as Ethereum initially called itself, the world computer. It's very good at kind of building the components to provide kind of a global settlement layer for contracts and commute. So, yeah. Right. Well, uh, Charlie, let's, let's, uh, address the, the, the elephant in the room here. Uh, many Bitcoiners claim that the recent merge to proof of stake, uh, you know, is going to centralize things more, make it more vulnerable to regulatory capture. Some Bitcoiners joke that like, it's going. It's got some level of decentralization, but technically, it's going to turn into a, a software company. So, like, I mean, what what was your take on this? I've yeah, sardonically said I think Ethereum Foundation is kind of like a software company. So, like, uh, you know, uh, we we might call it the uh, Ethereum merger because it's almost like a, a corporate thing. But um, uh, the Ethereum merge accomplished uh, very successfully the transition to a new consensus regime. Um, I think that it's highly uh, risky from a sensibility standpoint because instead of having big Bitcoin mines and a lot of energy running to provide consensus, there are actual physical computers called nodes, which aren't just to verify, but they actually are then to produce the blocks. 80% or maybe 75% of all of these nodes reside within the United States borders. Um, 
if my uh, Ethereum, which I use as my kind of skin of the game that I give to the nodes to prove consensus, um, that I can't, I have to get permission to take that out as the, as the mechanism currently stands. I have to trust a counterparty. Now, this works in the corporate world. You know, the world of business and corporations is one where you do have to kind of put skin in the game. You got to trust other people. But that's not the foundation kind of legal layer that we want to trust. We want to have something outside of the corporate and business agreement world. Now, take everything I say, filter it through, you know, a Bitcoiner lens. Right. Because you'll, you'll get a, a very good, compelling answer from a, <clears throat> uh, an Ethereum uh, proponent. And I personally think Ethereum uh, should be celebrating. This is a big deal. Right. Well, I, I got a rapid fire three questions here for you, and I want you to answer them how you see fit. First being, what is the overall sentiment in the Ethereum community about the merge? What is the drastic difference that previous miners and developers had? And what to do with the old miners of the Ethereum? I mean, what, what, what do they do now? They don't really do anything. I mean, you can mine other cryptocurrencies. The the kind of market scale for that's really small. So the 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 attitude in Ethereum is uh is wildly celebratory. Um, there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done. Some stuff broke, but it got fixed pretty quickly. And one of the big uh, other mechanics here is that so Bitcoin has a certain inflation or deflation or issuance schedule. Bitcoin currently uh, has an annual inflation rate of about three point three percent. Ethereum's big uh, kind of uh, one of the big uh, uh, proponents for this merge is that the inflation rate of Ethereum is actually now effectively negative. And that's changed from a few years ago. So Ethereum say, Ethereum say, oh, Bitcoin's 3% inflation. Um, Ethereum is negative inflation. Therefore, Bitcoin's sound money, sound money makes Ethereum an ultrasound money. Um, I go, well, is it sound money if you can change the issuance rate? <laughs> but um, it's very it's very compelling from an investment thesis. Right. This is why it is embraced by uh, deep-pocketed influential institutions like the World Economic Forum, right. IMF, and big Boo. banks. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know, I they know. like it, and if you think those are good actors, then this should be a good thing. Right, um, right. I don't. If. I don't. Yeah. If. Well, you know, what's funny is many of the advocates of proof of stake boast about it being now ESG friendly. But to me, it seems that we kind of face this dilemma in a regulatory means, because on one side, we have the SEC saying that many proof of stake protocols are unregistered securities, which makes the Bitcoiners celebrate. Right. Mm -hmm. However, on the other side of the coin, you have the White House now basically saying that Bitcoin's proof of work is a threat to the environment if things don't change, which, in my opinion, is either a blatant ignorance or just kind of like this political motivated thing. Like, so wh what's your take? Is this a trap? Are we I mean, what what does I mean, we got roughly two minutes left? So yeah. so be quick with your thoughts here. But. You know, if the SEC is coming out at this direction and then the other part of the government's coming out this direction, like, what do we do? I think it's both and good and bad news. Um, my view on the securities thing is I think Bitcoin is a bit too early to celebrate that the SEC seems to be critical of proof of stake cryptocurrencies because a security is a very old, dated term. Right. I just think it comes from an old paradigm and we need to refigure out how we even treat these kind of new asset classes. It's just an entirely new asset class, which we've never right. seen before. Um, the ESG thing... I think is a bunch of uh, it's radio, so malarkey. Um, uh, Bitcoin, <laughs> Thank the Bitcoin you for network that is the it's the greenest lar industrial scale network in the history of mankind, and this is not done from a top down man uh, landscape. And so, Bitcoin as a network consumes comparatively little energy, about uh, the, as much energy as all of the washers and dryers in North America. So, right. if you just want a point of reference, 
Um, and so uh, I think we will continue to receive a lot of flack and criticism for that. Ethereum, now with the merge, is proof of stake. This no longer consumes a significant amount of energy. Um, I'm certain that will be a criticism of Bitcoin from Ethereum proponents. Right. And guess what? You know, they'll say that proof of stake is closer to the fiat system we have now. And when we're talking about securities, maybe when the uh, SEC or the, the judgment comes about the XRP and SEC case, that could change how uh, securities are classified in cryptocurrencies. We certainly know. need huge development. The problem is that, I mean, even us in here, we live and breathe this space every day, and we struggle to find the right terminology to explain it. How can we possibly do this at the regulator level? Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. I know there's a lot to it. There is. And and trust me, there, there's some regulators whose heads are spinning as they try to figure out, what is this? Is it a currency? Is it a money? Is it a, a commodity? Uh, you know, uh, good luck with that, guys. Meanwhile, one thing we know about Bitcoin, ain't nobody can control it, right? right. That's right. All right. So quick time out. You'll have more of Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore straight ahead on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. We are live and local in the big city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Lovely day, a little dry, but boy, the temperatures are going to be great. We're kind of waiting for fall to happen here in Tulsa town. Meanwhile, what's happening in the world markets financially? Well, it's been a little crazy. I don't know if you've been watching the markets, but uh, yeah, they've been tanking. Bitcoin, as you mentioned earlier in the show today, sir, uh, kind of going down, but along with everybody else. So, yeah, what, what does all that mean and what are the ramifications for the future? Just one of many topics we've touched today with this guy, Matthew J. Moore. You know, if you take a look at Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market at large, uh, due to the way investors are viewing it now, uh, which whether it's right or wrong, it's up to somebody, but I think the way a lot of people are viewing it are currently wrong, but the hardcore believers, we kind of understand the space. We know what's going on. It's definitely not a speculative asset in, in long terms and what this technology can do, uh, but it's being treated that way. So it's kind of been teased as this leading indicator uh, of the rest of the markets. But we're not going to cover that right now. We're going to talk more about the Ethereum merge that took place with our special guest. And to help me unpack this is my guest and fill-in co-host, Evan Herman. Hey, thanks, Matt. You know, they always say you never want to be the smartest person in the room, and I think I've sufficiently accomplished that here today. I think you're doing okay. I think you're doing good, buddy. I appreciate it, man, very much. Well, guys, we're going we're gonna to dive right back into this. And uh, we, Charlie, I, my, my question for you is uh, when you look at, you know, as a Bitcoin miner, and now we can say previously a miner of Ethereum. Does this merge or move to proof of stake in Ethereum, does it motivate you to start becoming a validator node or staker? Like why or why not? Can you, you know, kind of just kind of speak to that? Because uh, I don't know, maybe your focus is going to move solely to Bitcoin now. Um, it makes it simpler to only focus on Bitcoin. Um, so my company does not have a corporate strategy to do that. We're gonna we're an energy kind of company that that puts Bitcoin mines down. Um but personally, I actually see this as a huge opportunity because I'm kind of an infrastructure side of the blockchain guy. And there is a considerable new infrastructure opportunity. It's actually not new. It's pretty, it's as old as proof of stake, um, which is you can run validator nodes, which, which really says you're it's kind of going to be like more of a, like an IT guy right. with a kind of deal flow capital side. So um, there's huge opportunity there. I think it's going to be really popular. It requires a lot fewer physical resources blessing and a curse. 
And uh, I think it's cool. I think um, if you have a cryptocurrency that is not Bitcoin, that where you can stake for proof of stake, it doesn't make sense to not be earning an additional yield on top of that. Um, again, depending on your risk profile. This is very different than I will say than the centralized exchanges who offered yield. This is more getting yield on that cryptocurrency as per block reward with the validator nodes themselves. You know where the yield is coming from. You know where the yield yeah. is coming from. Right. Yeah, that would be the big <laughs> difference here. There's a huge infrastructure opportunity here. Um, I would just say I, you know, my heart's in Bitcoin mining. That's where I'm building all of my right. uh, all my stuff. And so that's where my focus is. Well, ha remind us, you're going to need a significant amount of capital, even though you're not going to be running mines in Ethereum anymore. You still need a lot of capital yeah. in order to be a validator, right? Yeah, you need a minimum amount of the native cryptocurrency of the chain that you're staking in. So for Ethereum, it's 32, 32 ETH or like $80,000, $100,000 or something right now. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, So if ETH goes to 20K and that 32 ETH stays the same, now you're looking at over half a million dollars to even right. have the opportunity to produce blocks. Whereas in Bitcoin... I can run a miner off of like my old computer at home and potentially produce blocks. Yeah, so you're saying that the uh, level uh, cost of entry to do Bitcoin mining is probably yeah. cheaper than being a validator for Ethereum. Yeah, and then I'll say there's the block production, the miners are the stakers, and right. then there's the nodes. The nodes look at the chain and verify it. And I think everyone, this is something everyone should do specifically for Bitcoin. It's very easy to run a Bitcoin node. You can do it on an old computer or Raspberry Pi or even on your home computer. Right. You literally download a couple files and click go. And that is how you know every transaction that happens on the Bitcoin network and verify for, your, for yourself. Well, Charlie, you also hold up uh, hold up! Hey, you hold up a lot of people. He holds up the community you hold up, for sure. You, yeah. you hold up to the Bitcoin community here, yeah. but you help put on local Bitcoin meetups here in Tulsa. Can you tell me because I've never been to one? When is the next one, and how can we connect to follow that? You betcha. So yeah, we do monthly meetups. The Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup is the group name. Uh, October eighteenth is the next date at Welltown. We don't currently have announced a speaker or subject. But that is the next date, October 18th at Welltown. We'll, we'll reprise it here. Um, and you should follow the meetup.com group, Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup. And there's a Facebook group, Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup. Um, there is a group that coordinates this Bitcoin and other stuff called the Tulsa DAO, D-A-O, TulsaDAO.com. And tell people what DAO stands for. Decentralized Autonomous Organization, and it's a really fancy way to say that we're just a bunch of people putting these on right now with big aspirations. <laughs> well, I love it. And if you haven't been to a Bitcoin meetup and you want to learn more about Bitcoin or the space in general, it is a Bitcoin-focused group. But it's a great place to learn and get connected with like-minded people. And I would encourage you to go to my website, mattjmore.com. You can find all the details. You can listen to past episodes and all sorts of stuff. And you got questions, you can always send me a message. So. Absolutely. And you can also find all those episodes right here on krmg.com and on the KRMG app. And heck, you can find them on just about any place you can find a podcast. And I do mean just about any place. So go out there and listen. But more importantly, come back here and listen. Yeah, next Sunday at 5 p.m. We'll be back on the air with the very latest. The cutting edge of the cryptocurrency world is right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks for listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. We'll see you here next Sunday.